And so I just want to share a little scripture with you this afternoon. The Lord kind of laid this on my heart as, as I was sitting there thinking about taking a nap this afternoon. A little book we don't often look to, uh, back in the Old Testament, the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. And I don't know if you've done much reading in Ezra or researched it out much or whatnot, but Ezra is one of the little books that goes right along with Nehemiah. And it was one of the, the post-Babylonian captivity books that was written after Israel came out of captivity in Babylon. And uh, why did they go into captivity? Because they disobeyed the Lord. Took them into captivity. They came back to the Lord. They went back home. They disobeyed the Lord. It's just a, you know, it's just an up and down situation. And life is still that way for many folks today, up and down, up and down. But Ezra was a priest, and he probably wrote, according to the scholars, he probably wrote the book of Ezra, obviously, the book of First and Second Chronicles, and probably chapter 119 of the book of Psalms, which is, who knows, Psalms 119, longest chapter in the Bible could be credited to Ezra. Uh, he organized the synagogue, and he was known as a revivalist, okay? Uh, he got people fired up for Jesus and for working for God. So D.L. Moody, who lived from 1837 to 1899, said this, the next revival, now this was a long time ago when he said it, obviously, but he said the next revival will be a revival of Bible study. In other words, people will get back into the Word, they'll get hungry, and they'll want to study. Uh, Ed did a great job this morning in the men's class. I'm, I'm so proud of Ed and the way he's doing. He studies, he researches, uh, he's hungry, amen? And, and he'll feed you. He'll give you little, you know, just little tidbits of stuff that makes you want to go look for yourself, and that's good. And he did a super job this morning, I thought talking about the vengeance of God and why is God, why? I mean, why is he wait? Why does he let all this go on? Part of his plan. Some things are not meant for us to know. Uh, I, read the, I read the book, I mean the verse, I'm sorry, uh, in Revelation. I don't know where this is coming from, but we'll go with it. So, uh, And I think I pointed it out to Chad one time. The book of Revelation, let me see if I can find it now. I got myself in a bind here. At any rate, it's talking about the city, the new city, the new heaven, the new earth, and the city. And it tells, and it tells in that chapter that there are twelve gates on the city. Remember, every gate is made of what? One pearl, right? But then it goes on to say this. But the gates are never closed. Now, Don, would you build something on a house that wasn't ever going to be used? <laughs> you know? Why they put them there if we're not going to use them? I don't know. But God does. And it's his book. And he wrote it. So he's got a purpose in it. 
and and everything I can't my little this little feeble mind peanut brain sure couldn't comprehend nothing in this book but but God in his infinite wisdom has put it together and he tells us certain things that he don't mean for us to understand we'll understand it better by and by just like the song said if he wants us to understand it better by if he don't guess what it don't matter amen right folks if God don't want us to understand it, we don't need to understand it. So, so many times we get hung up on stuff. Stuff. Why is this? Why is that? Why is this? Why is that? Well, if he wants you to know, he's going to let you know. Amen? Come on. He's going to let you know. If he, if he don't want to open up our... I appreciate that amen back there, whoever that was. If he don't want, to, want us to know then there are certain things he will not reveal to us. And I've, I've heard people say, even said it myself, I'm sure, boy, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus about such and such. It probably ain't going to matter. We're going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, the one who did it all for us. Amen? And, and it probably ain't going to matter at that point. But... Getting back to the book of Ezra, chapter number 9, if I failed to tell you, I'm sorry. Ezra, chapter number 9. Thinking along the line of revival. We need revival. We need revival. Let's look at verse 8 and 9, and we'll go back and read some more in a moment, but. The Bible says this, And now for a little space grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a little reviving, to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. Father, we thank you for this day and for your many blessings. Thank you for the ones who made their way out here tonight and we pray that Maybe we can give them a little something that they can take home with them and, and will help them through the week. Help us, Lord, as we prepare for revival. Help us to pray. Help us to be earnest. Help us to seek your face just as Ezra teaches us to do. We love you and we thank you for all you do. We're thankful for our pastor, for our church, and we pray that you just show your kindness and your mercy to us as you have in the past and you always have. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. Now Israel is coming out of bondage. The, the story's been told. And, and Ezra, the revivalist, uh, seeking God's face, praying to God that he will be merciful to the people of Israel. Now, you turn on your TV today, what are you going to see? 
Israel. And they're getting ransacked, apparently, right now. Uh, and there are people like you and me, you know, just common flesh and blood. And, and, and I was telling the Sunday school class this morning that, that I, there was one picture I saw somewhere, I don't remember where, but I don't know if it was a man and his daughter and the daughter's daughter or a man and his wife. She, she looked very young, regardless. The look on her face told volumes. Uh, he's carrying the little girl. They're rushing, obviously, to get away from bombs or missiles or whatever the case may be. And, and the tear, you can just see the anguish on her face. And, and I thought, my goodness. Uh, I laid down last night, and that was the last thing on my mind was a missile striking my house. Amen. We don't have to, you know, could it happen? Sure, it could. But we don't go to bed at night thinking about that. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We're in a great spot. Uh, but, but we need to, we still need to keep God first and foremost uh, in our lives. And, and we've got little people coming on, a lot of little people, amen? Right? Amen? A lot of good people, little people. And uh, I used to call them kids, and my mom would get on me. They're not a kid. A kid is a baby goat. They're little people. And so that's always stuck with me. They're little people. And, and they've got little souls, little hearts that we need to point to Jesus. Amen? Jesus loved little children. Not only is that a song, that's in the book. He loved the little children. We're his little children. But Ezra is talking to these folks. Now let's go back and read the rest of the story so we can kind of build up to what he's doing here. Because he's on his knees in earnest prayer when we, on those verses we just read. Verse number 1 of chapter 9 says this, Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the land doing according to their abominations. In other words, they've got mixed in with them people, doing what them people's doing, right? So, uh, he says, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites, for they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. So the high guys are the ones that's guilty. They were leading by example, and it wasn't a good example, basically. And they've intermingled with the people of the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Moabites, and now they're, they're all mixed and confused. They've taken the daughters for themselves. Verse 3 says, And when I heard this thing, being Ezra, when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished or dazed. I didn't say that word correctly, but uh, astonished, I believe it is, astonished. Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression 
of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. That word means dazed or what? It's like caught them by surprise, Jeremy. They were dazed. They were astonished that they were attacked by missiles yesterday. Uh, you were astonished when that plug wire bit you. And, you know, things happen and, and it just, you've been there. I can't believe that just happened. What? 911. Remember where he was? Most of you do. Astonished. Dazed. Not knowing. You see it, but you, you just, I can't, I can't believe this is happening. That's what Ezra was. He was dazed by what he was seeing his people do. Turn away from God. The God that had created them and been so good to them and carried them through. Verse number five. Ezra's a priest, as we said. And at the evening sacrifice, I arose from my heaviness. And having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees. lifted his hands up to God, and he said this. Listen to Ezra's words, verse number 6. And said, Oh, my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up under the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day, and for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to the captivity, and to a spoil, and to confusion of face as it is this day. And now, for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant in escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, remember now, Ezra's praying, and now, O oh our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments which thou hast commanded by the servants of the prophets, saying, The land under which ye go to possess it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Now, therefore, give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, 
nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve and has given us such deliverance as this, should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldst not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord God of Israel, Thou art righteous. Amen. For we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. Go read one more verse. Verse 1 of chapter 10. Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. They're in bad shape. As a nation, we're in bad shape. I think we would all agree with that when it comes to spiritual matters. Uh, Ed mentioned Madeline O'Hare this morning uh, and how that one woman, one woman, one little woman changed the face of history, really, by having prayer pulled out of our schools. And that's where trouble started, is it not? Amen. Would everybody agree with that? That was, the, that was the beginning of sorrow, so to speak. But one, one person, man, woman, boy, girl, doing the right thing that God wants us to do, hey, can bring a revival. We talk about it. We testify about it. Do we really, truly want it? It's up to you. It's up to me. Uh, let's, let's be much in prayer in the next few weeks that, that God will really move among us and give us a true revival. Amen. Uh, I was just told the story just a few minutes ago about a uh, certain certain place and, and there was some bands performing and it was a church matter of fact and and there was some bands performing and and it came to the the last band of the night this tells you where we're at came to the last band of the night and and they came they approached this band and they told them they said now now you need to cut it a little short said the pizza's here and we don't want the pizza to get cold Therefore, no altar call. What's that tell you? Hmm? What's that tell you? Uh, we need to be on our face before God. 
as a nation, as a church, as individuals, praying to God, asking him to revive me, to create in me the kind of person that he wants me to be. Old Sam, I'm the only one that can take care of old Sam, and I ain't doing real good, I'll be honest with you. But with his help and with his mercy and grace, we can see a revival at Mountain View Baptist Church. And I believe it with all my heart, Josh. I mean, we could bust the walls out. Amen? That, that little van out there ain't big enough, Scott, to carry him if the revival breaks out. Amen? And, and hey, we want to see people saved. Why? Because the clock's ticking. Tick, 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 tick. People are dying and going to hell right now and it's something that we don't stop we get too I do I do we don't I do we get I get too busy and carried away and 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 caught up in life and people are dying and going to hell Uh, I'm going to share this with you I started not to but I'm going to my dear dear father-in-law Russell Rice a great man of God a great man of God shared this story with me one time. And he said that a good preacher got up. Now, I'm going to shock you, okay? I'm telling you up front. I'm going to shock you here in a minute. But he said a great preacher at a different church got up one Sunday morning, and this was his statement. He said, right this moment, people are dying and going to hell. And most of us don't give a damn. And then he turned around and he preached and revival broke out. People were more, he said, right now you're more shocked by what I just said, aren't you? I can't believe you just said that. You can't believe I just said that, can you? I can't believe I just said that. But we get shocked by things when we need to be concerned about people dying and going to hell. We do. I'm guilty. 